All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. Head on You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Use promo code Hockey Season capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at Zephyr Epic. Zephyr Epic has you covered for all of your trading card needs, so be sure to go check them out. Located in Surrey, local company, Zephyr Epic. The best part about them, in our humble opinion, is that they ship free anywhere in Canada on any order over $50 from from West Kelowna 
to West Ham Island. Home of the West Kelowna Warriors. This is true. And the West Ham Island is home of the George C. Rifle Migratory Bird Sanctuary. Quads. George C. Rifle? Yep. Who's that? Uh, He's got a bird sanctuary there (laughs) uh, on West Ham Island. You know where West Ham Island is? No, no idea. I'll tell you what, it's actually not that far from West Kelowna. Well, it is a little bit, actually. Decent little drive. It's over. It's an island off of Delta. Here in BC, Delta. just down the road, somewhere you would have never been, though, because you don't leave Burnaby ever. Even if you leave Vancouver, the only spot you're going, Rogers Arena, you've never been out of Burnaby. This this month, you haven't left Burnaby. But West Ham Island, just off of Delta there, little bird sanctuary. It's open from 9 to 4 all year long. I don't know about statutory holidays or Christmas. I didn't look too deep into that, but most days. So it's driving distance from here. Yep, you show up there at uh, eleven thirty. You go in there. You look at birds. Well, how do you, sorry? How do you get to the island? Is there a ferry? Uh, yeah. There's a. You just no. You just show up there. They'll get you on the island. How? Um, how will they get you on the island? They just put you on there, and um, <laughs> you can go. And they got sandhill cranes. You need to give me a better answer than this. How do you get to this island? Uh, the island, West Ham Island. There is a bridge. Oh, it's a bridge. There's an east-facing aerial view of the West Ham Island Bridge is what I'm looking at. The island was named by Harry Trim, who came from West Ham, Sussex. Are these made-up names? No, these are all these are all real words that I'm saying in real truth. You can show up there at 11 o'clock, take the bridge, you're across the street, boom. You got 740 acres of beautiful birds to look at. They got walking trails, bird blinds, lookouts. There's even a bird gift shop quad, so you can wow. go out there. You get out there, you start looking for birds. What do you see? This is what everyone wants to know. What kind of birds are you going to see out there? You're going to see the sandhill cranes, bald eagles, mallards, spotted toe heels, as well as lesser snow geese, greater and lesser yellow legs, long-billed <laughs> doe witchers, and western sandpipers are some of the ones that you'll see often. But here's the cool thing. You can see up to 250 species of birds. If you get a good day, you might catch 100 there, 100 different species of birds on a good day. That's what I hear. I, I'm looking at photos. It looks like a pretty spectacular place, but I do have to, you know, I got a bit of a gripe here because West Ham Island isn't a town or a city. It's not its own municipality. It's in Delta, and the closest Canada Post is by Highway 99 in well, downtown Delta. If, you, if you're living on the bird sanctuary. It's actually in Ladner. And you want me. some cards. It's not just because you're living in West Ham on West Ham Island. Is that what it's called? West Ham Island. Just because you're on West Ham Island doesn't mean you can't get the Zephyr Epic cards. I tell you, if people go on to West, they go to ZephyrEpic.com. You're looking for the top loaders. Those good, those, uh, those hard cases that say rookie card on the top. Buy those off of Zephyr Epic. I don't care if you're on West Ham Island or West Kelowna. You can, you can get them. They'll deliver them right to your door. Amazon style or something. I don't know what they used or DHG or something. They deliver it. What? That's the little, uh, it's a delivery company, I think. DHG? DHG, I think. Oh. Or something like that. Okay. DGH? I don't know. The Rugby Sevens. DHL? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, DHL. That's it. They got a little car at the Rugby Sevens. It drives the ball out to the middle. A little uh, RC car. Some guy operates and it's got uh, DHL all over DHG or whatever DHL, it is. DHL, DHL, the delivery company. Yeah, they they deliver the rugby ball right out okay. to the center. Rugby sevens, fire goes off, boom! You're playing a rugby sevens game. Fifteen minutes, no half or something. Maybe there is a half. I can't okay, remember. okay, okay. We're Seven minute little, halves, boom. Getting a little off the rails here, but Zephyr Epic, Z E P H Y R Epic, 
on all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram. Go shoot them a follow. Go check out their website. Go check out their location. Go buy, the, go buy your uh, hard case covers from them. That's the You don't have to run out to the uh, local card shop anymore. Boom, you just ZephyrEpic.com, five bucks off, free shipping over 50. Just get yourself a bunch of those top loaders. Yeah, there you go. You know, you want some cards to put put in there, though. Yeah, we're also I'm going to have a conversation with the folks over at Zephyr Epic. It's been a long time since we've done a pack opening. It's going to be a lot of fun when we do. It'll be a lot of fun. Get that uh, series uh, series two going. Yes, the silly Pod Coles and rookie. Yes, card. we need some Pod Coles and rookie cards or the Will Lockwood card too. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Both in the series two. Good set. Yeah. We're also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word, CONVODD. That would get 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is David Wadrelli, joined as always by the man who built the place. We're both misdressed for the weather. I just say misdressed. Do you understand what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but it's hot in here still. It is hot in the studio. It's always a little bit hot in the studio. But uh, yeah, it's starting to rain outside, it looks like. And that's uh, not good for two dudes wearing shorts. You're wearing a tank top. I got a t-shirt on. But we're here, and we're ready to talk about the Vancouver Canucks. No, before we talk about the Vancouver Canucks, I got Well, I'm ready to talk about well, the Well, I Canucks. first want to talk about DoorDash. Okay. Listen, yeah, the DoorDash people, they love when I talk about them. They love when I do the videos. Got a message from the big boss, the guy who's even, you know, he's six level above you in the company. He sent me an email the other day. They love the DoorDash videos. DoorDash, I'm on DoorDash the other day. They're going to love this too. I'm on the Dash Mart. You know, they got a clearance section. You know what Dash Mart is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Explain it though. So it's like a grocery, I don't know, it's a grocery store. You go in there, there's a shop. They got uh, pops and chips and all, whatever you need. Okay. They got a clearance section, so I'm on there the other day. My fiance, she's pissed because I go on this DoorDash Dash Mart app, and they had uh, five packs of dice. Five pack of die, would you say? Uh, not, yeah, it doesn't matter. So a five, <laughs> yeah, there's five dice in the five die, whatever it is. We misspeak too much to care Anyways, about that. Yeah, five dice. I'm looking at five dice over here, and, and it's a five pack of dice. And I need them because I'm going on a bachelor party a couple weeks. And this game where you, you stand on the end of the table, you throw the dice up in the air. Beer die, I think it's called. Never heard of it. I've Well, I think it's a more of an American drinking game. But I think, uh, like, I never played it that much growing up. But we're going to try a bunch of that. So I ordered uh, 15 dice. Mm. And uh, it was on the clearance section, 39 cents a pop. You know, you're looking at, what, 7 cents a dice right there. You can sell those on the street for 50 cents. You make your money back. Boom, you sell two dice, you're good. So she's all mad that I ordered all these random things off of there. Got, you know, $1 energy drinks, the uh, five-hour energies. They're on the clearance section. Bucks, buck 25 or something. Is die is the singular and dice is plural, right? I don't know. A set of dice? It's not a set of die. It's a set of dice, right? Okay, but then you're talking about the set being the subject of the dice. No, no, sorry. So plural, like okay. if I'm talking plural, if I have two dice. If I roll... Am I rolling two die or two dice? Two dice. Yeah. What's the die? A die is one if you've got one of them. Okay. I think. I don't I'm know. the one that's, you know, supposed to know all this. Yeah. You can say it. I'm an idiot. You can say it. <laughs> that's not what I meant. Five you know dice. That. So I got I got 15 uh, dice now ready to go on the uh, house. But I also got some electrolytes. Got these things you put in a, in, you put them into water and they start bubbling like crazy. And it's electrolyte. I was looking for them because I was I wasn't feeling like super sick, but I wasn't feeling great. And everyone, and then I'm looking. I'm doing my research. WebMD. I'm all over it. I don't know what I'm looking at, but I, I'm doing my own research. And I'm thinking, okay, what what's going to happen here? If you, electrolytes, they make you feel better. So I'm like, okay, let's uh, buy these electrolyte pills. 
And then I look at the reviews, and all the reviews are just about how these are really good for hangovers. Okay. All the reviews, five stars. This is great. I never, I never get hangovers anymore. Drink one before bed. Drink one when I wake up. I'm fine. So I was thinking, okay, well, this is good. I got a wedding this weekend. I got a bachelor party next weekend. So I got all these electrolytes now, too. All so right. That's what's new in my life, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing how they work. We're past the 10-minute mark, which means we got to get going here, Chris. I was also told the other day by a listener that uh, they didn't like last show because we only did seven minutes of BSing around. And and then there's someone out there who's like, oh, thank God they didn't keep going with the non-hockey talk yeah. for uh, a full 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, we got a lot to get into, and it's my favorite thing to talk about, so let's, uh, let's do it. Yeah, development camp. We have concluded development camp. We're recording this on Friday, hoping to have it out Friday afternoon as well. Development camp has concluded. The The prospects are going up the grouse grind, I think, as we speak. There'll be coverage of that uh, on the Canucks Twitter account, I'm sure, and also we'll probably get something on it on CanucksArmy.com, if I'm being honest with you, because, Chris, it's officially starting to feel like a slow off season. Like All of a sudden, things are slowing down quite a bit. We don't have too many little news things to get to. Uh, Canucks made a few minor signings. Brad Hunt signed with the Colorado Avalanche for two years. Different things happened, but it wasn't anything significant since our last episode. So I think we'll just pick it up with development camp Friday. Development camp concludes on Thursday with a scrimmage. Tell us what you saw, what you think you took away the most from development camp as a whole. Yeah, well, first of all, it is it does feel slow because when we were leaving development camp, you know, we're obviously talking to Canucks PR, seeing what's up, and they're like, well... Don't really have anything for like six weeks, right? We don't really have anything until, uh, was it September 16th? I just booked my hotel for Penticton. Uh, that'll be nice, bringing the golf clubs for sure. Did you get two beds? I no, guess you're, we, you're not coming, I thought. I thought I was coming. No, okay. you're not coming. To, you, no chance you're driving out there to Penticton. I was going to carpool with you. Mm, I don't think you're coming. Because <laughs> um, I, I got a king size bed, so you're not coming. Um, That's big enough. No, it's not. You, we'll put, well, maybe you can have the little pull out couch. <laughs> Anyways, development can't takeaways. Yeah, I mean, first of all, just excellent uh, start to the Vancouver Canucks' season when it comes to the prospects and how they're going to develop them different this year. I mean, you've already seen additions to the development staff uh, in Mike Komisarek, uh, Mikhail Samuelson, seeing the Sedins move into that role, but kind of hearing some of the behind-the-scenes things from guys like Ryan Johnson and Mikhail Samuelson, uh, I found it pretty interesting. Like, there's a lot more confidence, and you can hear that from Ryan Johnson about this year. Uh, being able to, as Ryan Johnson loves to say, look the prospects in the white of their eyes. That's his go-to saying. See and the white of his eyes. He didn't get a chance to do that through Zoom or through the calls that he was having with a lot of these players. So getting them back here to development camp, it's the first time we've seen development camp for the Vancouver Canucks since 2019. And I think it was massive. Like You could just hear the way that everyone was talking about it. The players were very excited on the first few days. Things started to crank up on day three and four, and obviously we got to see the scrimmage for the final day there on Thursday. Uh, And then today on Friday, they're doing the grouse grind and doing some team-building activities. I hope that they get to have some fun tonight as well. I hope, uh, hope those prospects get to have some fun. They've been working hard all week. So biggest takeaways was just that this is going to be a very different... And you know what? This should be a very different year for development of the Vancouver Canucks prospects and how they're treated, how they're supported. It feels like there's a lot more in place to make the Vancouver Canucks prospects be in a better spot than they were last year. Even talking to some of the players, like they were very happy that Mikhail Samuelson is now going to be in Sweden on the ground, going to games with them. Uh, I know that even with like uh, Jonathan LeCaramacchi, 
Uh, he, he mentioned that he lives like 10 minute drive away from the Karamaki's home. So he's going to be able to talk to him a lot. That's huge. And, and I just think that having a guy on the ground there out in Sweden is going to be massive. Uh, I know Samuelson said he was going to travel around Europe as well. He won't just be in Sweden, but you could see it at camp. I mean, I think it was 10 Swedes there was on the roster here at this development camp. So uh, a big portion of the Canucks prospects will be in Sweden this next year. A lot of them are actually going to be playing in the Osvenskan, which is kind of interesting. And that's uh, most of the like the teenagers that kind of stick out a little bit. Like Lekaramaki is going to be there. Myrenberg is going to be there. Uh, so we'll get to see some players in the Osvenskan. Hugo Gabrielson as well, who, by the way, the Canucks flew him in from Sweden, even though he wasn't participating in any on-ice action. We've talked about it in the past. He's got a shoulder injury where he's going to need surgery and not going to be uh, ready to start next season. But he was here and was able to hang out with some of the prospects as well. So that was nice uh, to kind of get him involved. Obviously, he hasn't had a chance to be at a development camp just yet. So nice little addition there. And that's that's honestly the, the big takeaway I have from it is just it's really good to get these guys together and get them to be able to meet the Sedins, meet the development staff, see what Ryan Johnson's all about when he's on the ice with them, see what Chris Higgins is like on the ice with them. But all in all, just a great week. And I think it sets up for, um, like I said, a very different year of development where the Canucks need to do a better job of developing their players. And you can feel the commitment behind the new regime of what they want to do with development, uh, putting guys in a position to succeed and adding more staff into certain areas. Like, you know, we'll, we'll play the clip actually right now of Ryan Johnson talking about it. Like I, I asked Ryan, like what are, how does he feel about the difference that you're going to see for development last year compared to this year? And this is what Ryan Johnson had to say about it. Well, it's, I mean, like I said, we've added a lot of young players and then to, to, to really build out our development staff that I, I, uh, think is as important as a process in rebuilding uh, an organization or retooling an organization. Um, so we've got the support, the resources, young players, I think, which, which insinuates we're heading in the right direction. I think it is all about resources. Like that, that was the buzzword there, right? Is resources and we've got everything that you need. And we heard a similar message from Patrick Alvin. We wrote about this at Canucks Army. Uh, the Canucks posted the video, but Patrick Alvin giving the intro speech at the start of the week really stressed that there's no excuse for any of you not to make the NHL because we have all the resources you need. It's all up to you to put in the work now. We have everything you need. You're going to get to work with, with Hall of Famers uh, and Daniel and Henrik. That was the messaging from Patrick Alvin. And like you like you said, Chris, you contrast that with what they had before. It's night and day. Like At this point, there is no excuse for not developing players because we've heard all the excuses with the Gadjeviches, the Linz, and all the players who turned into nothing, and there's no more excuses. Like, it needs to be better. I think the organization clearly saw that, and now with Cami Granado kind of championing that department and, you know, everybody reporting to her in that department, like, it's a good thing for the organization that they, one, had this development camp, and two, the messaging was so clear and the messaging was consistent in, we have all the resources for you and these are available to you at any time. Yeah, I think so too. And I think even like the way that Mikhail Samuelson talked about it was like, he said that I like to mentor prospects and help them. That's the best thing for me. And with this organization, with the people who are working here now, it was an easy choice. And that's kind of what you mentioned to speak of like what they're going to have at home base. Uh, And actually I have the full Samuelson clip. So let's just run this about uh, Mikhail Samuelson coming in to be a guy, uh, a guy who's going to help with coaching and a lot of developing with these players. So let's just hear from Samuelson first and we'll react to this. Uh, I've done it before. I, I, I like developing. Like I, I love developing. 
uh, I see the other side to, to I, I try to work as a GM uh, and uh, I see that part too but I in my mind uh, if it's my life great and that's that's what I want to do if I'm gonna be selfish about it I, I like to to call mentor them or like try to help them uh, that's the best thing for me and, and also with this organization uh, with the people who's, who's working here now uh, that, that's uh, for me it was an easy choice Samuelson was smiling a lot that was the takeaway I had Samuelson looks really happy to be in the role he's in and you heard it there right like this is the role that he sees for himself this is the role he wants to be in he's not going to stay in Vancouver he's going to go back to Sweden but that's with the purpose of being a resource for the prospects boots on the ground in Sweden. So, you know, think of how many players the Canucks have. They're going to be in the SHL, in the Alsvenskan League, and I know we're going to touch on a few of them here, but, like, Samuelson's going to be there as a resource for those kids, and that matters, right? Like, you've heard, um, you know, you've heard all the other prospects talk about uh, Chris Higgins, Ryan Johnson, helping them out, but to expand that, like, that matters, right? Like, you, you've you got all these different voices now that are helping these prospects. And, you know, like, with all due respect to Chris Higgins, I'm assuming that Michael Samuelson can relate a little bit better to Jonathan Myrenberg than Chris Higgins can, right? And, and I know Chris Higgins will still have things to offer, and, and same with Ryan Johnson. My point just being that, you know, Samuelson being someone from Sweden knows the Swedish ranks really, really well you know, he can relate a little bit more with what Myrenberg or someone like that is going through. Perfect example, because I spoke to Jonathan Myrenberg about this, and this is what he said. He said, it's just really close to have, it's just really good to have someone watch you closer. I haven't had someone to talk to a bit, so having Samuelson will be good. I feel more secure in the organization with that. Like, that quote means a lot to me. Like, to hear the way that he said it is like, feel more secure with the organization is, is kind of big. Like that's something that I think a lot of these prospects want and to now have somebody on the ground being able to it, it, just think if there's like a problem, like think if there's a problem with Lucas Forcell not playing any minutes, say he's a 13th forward all the time. And it's not like he's calling. It's almost like, it's not like you're about to get into a fight. You call your big brother in, but like, wouldn't hurt to have Mikhail Samuelson come around and have, you know, sit in with a conversation with the GM or the head coach with Lucas Forcell and say, like, what's going on here? You know, I think Mikhail Samuelson carries a lot of weight behind him when he comes and shows up uh, to help out these players. And I think that's just an example. Like, a lot of these players can ask questions to him. Um, it's just going to be massive to have a guy on the ground out there and to talk to Samuelson. And, you know, this is his passion, right? Like, this is what he talked about. This is what he wants to do. He's, he called it almost a little selfish, right? That this is the role that he wants to be in because it's so perfect for him. Uh, and now with the Sedins and with Alvin in this role, like, this is why he wants to be here now. Um, so I think it's going to be massive for the prospects. And like I said, just setting up this whole thing at development camp here, it's a, it's a good first building block for what we're going to see for a year of development of these players. You want to, you want to just dive into some of these players now? Like, who do you want to like start with? Do you want to go, let's start with some forwards. Well, okay. I was going to start with Myrenberg because we were in Sweden, but I think in the same vein, we can talk about Linus Carlson because he was a guy who impressed and he's the, he's one of the topics and one of the options in our Atlas goods poll question, which we'll get to soon, Chris, but Linus Carlson, what did you make of his week as a whole? Cause a lot of expectations for him. Yeah. And you know what? A couple days in, I was like, Oh, I think we set the expectations too high for Linus Carlson. I didn't think he was very good. Uh, on the first couple days was definitely a little rusty on the first day. Day two, it wasn't like 
you know, like Linus Carlson doesn't move very well, right? And when you move really well, you start to stick out in these development camps. So you needed to see a lot from Carlson in the scrimmage because that's where his game had to shine because it didn't look that great in the drills. Like it, he was handling the puck fine. He was shooting the puck fine. But because movement's so big and all these drills that we saw in the first couple of days, it's not like Carlson looked that great. Then the scrimmage shows up and yeah, he looked excellent. Like he, he was potentially the best player in the scrimmage. He scored uh, a couple of goals, looked really strong with his drives to the net. His hands are a little bit better than I thought once he actually got into game action and was going up against defenders. Uh, there was a lot to like in Carlson's game for sure. I just, I, I do still worry a little bit about the foot speed. Like it, you, you know, if you're a guy who some people expect to maybe play NHL games this year, you should really be sticking out uh, in a camp situation like this for development camp where a lot of these guys are, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. Carlson should be sticking out big time. Uh, he definitely did in the scrimmage, uh, but you still have to worry a little bit about that foot speed. Like he's got great hands, but I think for him, he's got to get that foot speed up a little bit. And it'll be interesting to see him work uh, with skating coach Mackenzie Bredo there in Abbotsford. But I, I don't see Carlson being a guy who's going to, you know, crack the NHL at a camp. I think he's going to need to go to the AHL. He's going to get power play time. He also mentioned to us that he wants to be a penalty killer, and he really appreciated last year that his coach in the SHL was willing to trust him on the PK. So we'll see him do a little bit of that in Abbotsford, but just see if he can get working with the skating coach and improve a little bit, you know, tune up a few things. Mackenzie Braid does a great job out there, uh, and to hear that he was on a lot of Zoom calls with these prospects throughout the year was a, a very good thing to hear at this development camp. But Carlson really liked him, and I thought his best day was by far the scrimmage when he got into game action. He's not a player that shines in drills, but he really did shine. Probably the best player uh, in the scrimmage on Thursday. You know who did shine in drills? Yanni Yermo. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Like, he wasn't bad in the scrimmage. Like, he didn't look out of place. He didn't look bad in the scrimmage. But I, I, I was getting a lot of questions about Yanni Yermo in the Canucks Army comment section and whatnot. And the answer remains the same, that... He looks great in drills, looked fine in the scrimmage, but the problem with Yanni Yermo is his hockey sense, which when I was talking to a scout, like, you know, a lot of scouts believe that you can't teach hockey sense. Like, you can teach someone how to skate, you can teach someone how to change their stride, but you just can't teach hockey sense, and apparently that's where Yanni Yermo is lacking, and that's what's holding him back from moving up in Finland. Yeah, no, I mean, Yermo is an extremely talented athlete, right? Like, he's a very talented athlete, has a strong shot, he skates really well, um, the worry is that if he can turn that athleticism into a really good hockey player, right? That's the big question. And yeah, you're right. Like in drills, he looked excellent moving the puck, you know, just picking up full speed so fast. There's a lot to like, man. Like he was a player that definitely stuck out as one of the better skating defensemen, but yeah, you, then you go and you watch him play a game and you watch the game tape and he, he doesn't really flash like he does in the drills. So I, I wonder what they can do with him. It's something that maybe he just needs to develop. And you're right, you can't teach hockey sense, but you can develop it as you go on as a hockey player. Uh, and it'll be interesting to follow him over the next, you know, he's going to be at least a couple more years over in Finland before we start to even talk about him potentially coming over and maybe playing in the AHL. Like there's there's a long route for, for Yanni Yermo, but you're right. Like there's a lot of really good skill in his game, but he's got to be able to put it together. So it's going to be interesting to see what he can do next year in Finland. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, you want to talk about Arshdeep Baines? Tell yeah. me about him. Just, like, probably two of the four days, he was the best player on the ice to me. Like, Arshdeep Baines is is and was the most consistent player of this group, I think, throughout the whole camp. He receives passes so well. He makes good passes. His shot always has a little bit of giddy-up behind it. He He's just a player that... 
that like did everything right at this development camp. Like I think Baines was the guy who actually coming out of this camp, he impressed me just the most of like how consistent he was. Like you watch drills and you're like, you know, especially me, like, okay, I'm filming a lot of video here at these drills, right? So the big name players I'm focusing on, make sure I'm getting good video on them. And it's like, yeah, I'll record Klimovich every time the puck's about to touch his stick and he flubs it so many times or he doesn't receive a pass very well or he just completely misses the net by like a mile. But then with like Baines, it's like he's always just going to get a decent shot on the goaltender. He's always going to be able to pick up the puck, whether it's in his feet, ahead of him, behind him. Like he just, he takes passes so well. He does everything at such a high level and, and he works hard. Like that's what everyone ta- like told us about him is like just watch his like, his work habits in practice and he's working so hard. He's one of the players where, uh, you know, you watch them do a drill when they're battling in the corner and you see a lot of guys just kind of, you know, put like a stick on a guy and kind of not really push on him. Like Baines, when you, even when he's just being like a, a stand in defender of a drill, like he's pushing you around, he's making you work in practice. And then when he gets a chance, like, you know, he's dropping the shoulder into guys. There's, there was just a lot to like about Baines's game. And I think that, just the consistency and the able the ability for him to play at a high pace is going to be great for him in the AHL. Like I, I don't think he's going to play NHL games. I don't think that is how good he's going to be. But it could just take like you know a, a year of him playing AHL games before we can have more of a discussion. But we've got to see what he can do in the AHL first. But I do I do feel a lot more confident thinking that he can hop right in the AHL after seeing how much he stuck out at development camp. Yeah, and one thing we noticed with Baines right away, heard about his hockey sense, but I saw it. I definitely saw it in that scrimmage especially. Obviously, not so much in drills, but the hockey sense, the hockey IQ, the playmaking ability, you saw it in the scrimmage. There were even a few instances where Baines made a pass that was really deceptive, so deceptive that his teammates weren't even ready for a pass. Like There was one where he broke in, had two defenders on him, faked a shot, and then went behind the back backhand pass but the guy who was supposed to be receiving the pass was like watching the net because he also thought Baines was gonna shoot so there was no one there but little deceptive moves like that uh that was my first chance to watch Baines in person obviously uh I was impressed as well so yeah I think also just like the other things that you saw in the scrimmage from Baines was like so in drills right like you're a lot of the drills that you see at development camp are like you receive a pass, it's three or four strides, you pass it off, you catch the puck again, three or four strides, you shoot. The thing that you were able to see from Baines on the scrimmage was just like coming in on three-on-ones and making like really smart one-touch passes where the puck's on his stick for a split second and it's off to the next guy and it's accurate. Like passing is something that's very strong for him. But the big thing is like every shot that he took at this development camp, and I was there all four days, I was there for every minute of it, I did not see maybe more than once or twice Baines like flub a shot when you're watching Danila Klimovich and it's like 40% of the shots he takes are, are not good shots. They, you know, don't have any get up behind them with Baines. It's like 95% of the shots he takes are like not, not going to beat a goalie when they're standing there and ready for you, but they're going to create rebounds. They're going to be scoring chances. Like, He's very consistent. That's the number one word that I have to take away from watching Baines play is like his consistency is through the roof. And I think that's going to be huge for him. I think that was what was so huge for Chase Waters last year in the AHL was he was so consistent and he consistently got better throughout the season, which is why he's going to be relied upon to be, you know, an important piece down the middle for the Abbotsford Canucks moving forward. And Chase Waters is a guy who, you know, is very much praised for his work ethic and practice. And you hear a lot of the same things about our steep beans. So 
heck of a camp for Baines. Like he is, he's, if you're giving out like stars of the camp, like Archie Baines is my number one star from this camp. Hmm. That's interesting that he's number one for you. Uh, okay. We'll cut to break. On the other side, well, we, what do you? What? Who's your number one star? You said it's I could Costgenvo. Okay, said well, this. yeah, because you saw a lanky. I swear, Costgenvo's legs are yeah. taller than you. I know. Like, I know. yeah, like he, I'm he's not even no, joking. He's got no torso. He's yeah. got. He's all legs. I couldn't believe standing up next to him. Yeah, like I thought. You know what? I was a little shocked. Your boy, your your son, Archer Silov's there. Not that big. I thought he was tall. I thought he was six four. No, no, he's no, like he's six foot, six at... foot, six foot one. Yeah, he's like six one, six two. I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a little bit taller than PJ and Woodley over there, but uh, yeah, Kukos, man, what a physical specimen. A specimen! Oh my yep. gosh! Yeah, like I can see what like, and you know what? I spent a lot of time with people are going to like this because they say I just was reading the uh, the reviews of the show and they like the goalie talk in the reviews for some reason. Yeah. You watch Kuskenvo like just do everything at at like when he's working with Clarky in these drills before practice. Yeah, and Kuskenvo like Clark will never have like a smile on his face, but he's like very angry all the time. It feels not like angry, but he's very like serious. Forceful. He's serious. He's forceful and serious with his guys, but like the way that he talks to like Ty Young and <laughs> Brett Bruchu or Brochu. Compared to like when he tells Koskenvo to do a drill and he does something, it's like you can you can like he's not as like uh, you know the mean guy that he is to everyone else. It seems like with Koskenvo, he just like he likes Koskenvo, man. Yeah. You can see it with like how he speaks to him, and and that's the thing. Like when you're watching these goalies work with Clark, especially in that little rink there out at UBC, was like you could hear everything, right? If you're standing at that end of the rink, you can hear pretty much everything Clark's saying to him. And you could just hear the tone. Like, he really likes Koskenvo, man. And I can see why. Because, like, just physically, he looks like an absolute, like, perfect what you would like to see a goaltender. Yeah, exactly. He's like the epitome of a, a project goaltender, right? Yeah. Like, if he was a... If he wasn't a goalie, he'd be a six foot five right shot defenseman. Like, that's what he would be. That's, yeah, that's he's the got, example of what he is. He's got a lot of... Like very transferable skills, I think, to various things. I'm, but it was I'm like blown man, away by Koskembo when he came out and talked to us. Like he walked out and it was like, whoa! Like this dude yeah. is, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. His hands go past his knees when he walks. Yeah, well, not actually. Well, no, but like, they're yeah. long. They're, he's got I long arms. You, he's got no torso. It goes right from the hips to the nipples. There's no room for abs. If he was jacked, he wouldn't have any. There's no room for him. He's all legs. He's got the longest legs I've ever seen. Yeah, he does have really long legs, which, yeah. you know, it, like you pointed out, it looks like he's wearing bigger pads than everybody it does. else. It looks like his pads, like, I couldn't, when they were watching that drill where him and Ty Young were out there, and they were doing that thing that Ian Clark likes where you put your feet on either post and you watch behind the net, and it was like, Ty Young had this massive hole in his five hole when they were doing it, and then, like, Koskenbo gets down, and it's like, he's foot to foot, post to post, and there's no holes anywhere on the ice, and it's like, oh. Like, I can see why Clarky likes this guy. And then, yeah, I think uh, smart kid as well. He's going to Harvard. And he gave a kind of funny answer about it, too, when we asked him. I was like, like why uh, Why was Harvard your choice? And he was like, because it's Harvard. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, he wants to win the starting role next year and, and also wants to have, get, you know get an opportunity to potentially be Finland's goalie as well. Because it's Harvard. I love that. All right, we'll cut to break. On the other side, we'll get to the poll question, our Atlas Goods poll question. It has to do with development camp and the prospects, folks, and then we'll talk some more about, you guessed it, JT Miller. Keep it locked, keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. And a massive thank you to all of our sponsors here at the Canucks Conversation Podcast. Chris, our episode 279 poll question brought to you by Atlas Goods. Go to atlasgds.com. Use promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order of pop rinds. These are the best fresh pork rinds straight out of your microwave or air fryer in the tweet. I wrote freak pork rinds instead of fresh. So that's a, that's oh, a miscue on my part. We had a good run. Gonna, I'm actually going to correct it right now because uh, that's, that's not great. But fresh pork rinds, they're fantastic. Chris, have you done the nachos yet? Um, no, but, um, I'll get around to it. Maybe tonight. I know I say that often. Maybe tonight's the night. I really hope it is because that would be fantastic to see, but these yeah, are a great I'd, snack. I'd love to break into those freaky pork rinds and just <laughs> see what they're all about. You know, the all right. Nachos. I made a mistake. Let's settle down. Th- those are really good though. You, you know, everybody asks me, they're like, sorry, this is a small bag. Am I going to finish this in one sitting? Nope. You're going to use one-eighth of a cup, and you're going to be stuffed because these things expand, folks. So just follow the label. Don't try to, don't try to be a hero. No, don't and, be a hero. Uh, and add how many you think you can eat. Just, uh, just watch the label and uh, follow it. And if you, uh, if you have tried the pork rinds, send us a video of them in the microwave. Oh, see I've, I've had them out of the microwave. They're good. They're oh. good. They're, Air fryer obviously is a little bit better, but they are solid out of the microwave. And you know what? Gotta be honest with you, Chris. I've had them out of the microwave more often than I have the air fryer. No cleanup. No cleanup. You put them on two pieces of paper towel. That's the quickest snack I think you can have. I haven't ripped open the uh, bacon flavored one. Okay, yet. so I've only had the bacon. Okay, well that's what I was going to ask you which one's better because I've only had the original. Well, the bacon's really good. Okay, well I'll try the bacon one. And okay. the original, you can put the popcorn seasoning. I've got that's a little right, dill yep. pickle popcorn seasoning. I might put that on the original. Yeah, I've done the white cheddar. Did the white cheddar last week? It was good. Maybe bacon dill pickle. Okay. Let's uh let's get on to little this. Pizza spice, put a little pizza spice pizza on there. Pizza spice, yeah. You're talking. Promo code CC15, 15% off your first order of pop rinds at atlasgds.com. Our poll question today, which prospect will play an NHL game first? Chris, so far leading the vote, Linus Carlson with 63%, followed by Aiden McDonough with 23%, and Niels Oman, 8%. 
6% say I'm angry slash other. Nobody's written in any votes, though. So just angry. People are just angry, I think, I, that there's no angry. prospects. I'm a little angry at the way you did this poll question. That's why I do all the better poll questions. Okay, tell me. Go well, ahead. Look, the fourth option supposed to just be I'm angry. Well, I wanted to give people the chance to write it in. Like, write in your vote. What do you think? You're the, the freaking reply button? The reply button's already there. You don't need to add the other. People, people, listen, you put out a poll and you put out three options and that person's option isn't there. They always comment, why isn't this person on the poll? Yeah, You're an idiot. If blah, you blah, put blah. other, we can avoid those criticisms. No, because they're still going to put it on there. No, nobody has so far. I'm, I'm, I'm angry that uh, I'm angry isn't its own poll, uh, our option for the poll. All right, will you just tell me who you think is going to get uh, get an NHL game first? Who's making their NHL debut first here? Yeah, first game I think it's going to be Linus Carlson. I think. I mean, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to be the better, best NHL player of the three either. He might, but uh, I just think that Linus Carlson probably sets himself up to be in that position where, you know, if the Canucks start to see some injuries to their top nine, they're looking down at Abbotsford. Maybe Linus Carlson's one of the options that they want to see because I think he's going to be playing power play. He's going to be playing penalty kill. He's going to be an important piece uh, for the Abbotsford Canucks this year. Aiden McDonough, we're not even going to see until you know, late March, early April uh, at the earliest uh, for him to come potentially be a Vancouver Canuck. And um, as for Neil Zalman, I think that might be the wild card here. Like uh, if you're giving me good odds on Neil Zalman being the option, like if you're giving me like, you know, Carlson at like three to one, but you're giving me Almond at like 10 to one, I might take, uh, I might take Almond as the long shot here because I tell you the way that he moves around the ice He's a big body, gets around the ice real quick, man. I like him, but he's a little, um, he's a little out of control at times. We saw in drills, but mm-hmm. you got to see him in the in the scrimmage as well. Like he flies, man. He's a, he's a quick skater. Um, there's a reason why you know Team Sweden used him at the World Championships instead of Linus Carlson, right? Like, let's not forget that Linus Carlson was ninth in scoring in the SHL. He didn't get called on for one game in the World Championships. You know, Niels Almond played the whole World Championships with Sweden, so there's a reason why they like him, and he might be he might be the guy. Like, I, I'm I'm not surprised that he has such a low percentage, but sneakily, and if you gave me better odds, I, I might go with Niels Almond here. And I agree with you, actually. I pointed this out because this was a question that was posed just by one of our media colleagues when we were in the stands. Uh, just like you know, it's looking bleak for the prospects and everything. We're at prospect camp. Who's the next guy to make their debut was the question that was thrown. And I said Neil Zalman. And the reason I said that was just because you see him move, you see the way he's handling the puck, and he looked like he was a step above everybody else. And I think it's tough to actually say Neil Zalman because we don't know if he's going to be in the AHL next year. Right? So that kind of hinders him a little bit. He was asked about it, and he didn't give like a – he didn't give the answer that you'd like to hear, but he also didn't like, it was weird. The answer was just like, it didn't push the needle either way. He was like, I have a contract here, but like, I haven't fully made a decision. I'd love to play for the Vancouver Canucks or something along those lines. Yeah, like, and it was this, like this sounds like a player who wants to make the NHL and yeah. who doesn't, but it also does sound like a player who maybe doesn't want to go down to the A. Well, like depending what, you know, Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford and Bruce Boudreaux want to do with that fourth line. They might see him at training camp, and he might be a guy who is like is skating super quick and banging bodies and looking good in scrimmages. And then they see him, and they see Will Lockwood, and they're like, "Well, this Neil Zalman guy is four inches taller than Neil, than Will Lockwood. He's going around. He can take faceoffs. He's a guy who you know can kill penalties. He did that at the SHL level. Like, you know, Patrick Alvin went out and signed this guy as a European free agent, 
I don't know. I, I wonder if that's a thing that we have to watch at training camp. One of those stories when we talk about the fourth line battle is Neil Zalman and Will Lockwood. Is, is Zalman at that level where we can get excited about him challenging Will Lockwood for a fourth line spot? And we didn't actually talk about free agency, which is so funny because I thought we did, but we didn't. We recorded our last episode on Tuesday and we were like, we'll talk about free agency on Friday. So without further ado, I want to get to it because Dakota Joshua is the name that comes to mind of the Canucks signings when you just bring up the fourth line. Look, this is a big body who can skate. He likes to throw his weight around. And look, Patrick Alvin was asked flat out if he views this as an NHL player. And Alvin said he does. Like, this is someone who I think is going to play at the NHL level. The description I got when I asked someone about it was, he is what Canucks fans think Will Lockwood is. He's a big body that can throw his weight around. And, you know, he is an energy guy. He's got speed. He's got size. Like, this is something this team needs on their fourth line, and I, I really like the Dakota Joshua signing. This was a player that a lot of teams were interested in, uh, so for the Canucks to be able to get him, that's a win in my books. Uh, look, like, I know there was some, uh, some a bit of a uproar when Matthew Highmore and Yuho Lamico, who, um, you know, Lamico remains unsigned, Highmore signs in St. Louis on a two-way contract. Uh, you know, there was some uproar when these guys weren't qualified by the Canucks, but... If your sideways move is to get Dakota Joshua uh, instead of Matthew Highmore, instead of a Will Lockwood, who you know now is going to be fighting with a guy like Nils Oman for the fourth line spot, like that's a that's a good sideways move to replace Dakota Joshua or to replace those two guys with Dakota Joshua. I really like this player. Yeah, he's not a scorer. Like you know, I saw him play a handful of games with Utica a couple years ago as well. He's not a scorer, um, but he definitely like he's quick. Uh, he's hard on the forecheck. He's he's gonna bring something to the team. Like I don't, I don't know. I, I look at Yuho Lamico and I look at Matthew Highmore and I think um, probably more upside on those two players for fourth line scoring. If I'm being honest, from what I've seen from Joshua, and I, I don't think that he's the type of guy who's gonna you know get over ten goals on your fourth line. But I think he's a fine thirteenth forward to come in I, and bring some energy every. And he's he might not be a guy who needs to be in the lineup every night. But if you're wanting to rotate a little bit on your fourth line, I think that's fine. But I, I don't know. I'm not as high on Joshua as a lot of people. I think are I disagree a little bit on what you want from a fourth line because yeah, it's great if your fourth line can chip in every now and then, but. I don't think you want your fourth line to just be, oh, they can maybe score 10 goals sometimes and sometimes not get scored on. I think you you kind of want your fourth line to be, you know, similar similar to what Luke Shen brings on the back end. You needed a forward like that. Like Yannick Hansen spoke about it on Sportsnet 650. He said, like, this team needs size up front. And look, they answer that question a little bit with Dakota Joshua. Like, you need a guy who can play, and his underlying numbers have been actually pretty good. Uh, I got that from Daniel Wagner. I was just looking at his uh, height and weight when I evaluated this player and that he, the fact that he could skate. But his analytics look fine, apparently. That's what Wags told me. And look, when I evaluate this team, I, I, I really do think that one thing that they really did need to address is size up front, and they get it. And what Hansen brought up specifically on 650 was, look, it's great that Will Lockwood likes to skate around and likes to throw hits, but he's like, you can't do that over a full season if you're Will Lockwood size. Like, that's just the fact of the matter. There's there's very rare instances where a guy can do that, but Hansen said, he's like, when you're throwing hits when you're that size and you're hitting bigger guys, you're really taking the brunt of it, even if it doesn't look like it. You're the one that's hurting more in the long run. So you can't expect Will Lockwood to do that one over the full course of a season and, and two to do it effectively over the full course of a season. But you get that from Joshua. Yeah. I don't know if, if I'm being honest, I 
still look at, you know, and I'm happy that he resigned. But to me, if I'm building a fourth line, I'd still rather have Phil DiGiuseppe there than than Dakota Joshua. Honestly, I'd like to. I don't know. Like, I still think that Phil DiGiuseppe should be given a shot. In I the think NHL. he. I think he will get a shot. It, next it doesn't year. make sense to me that he wasn't given a, a decent run as a fourth line guy because listen, he doesn't need to be the skill player. Like in the HL, he's that right. He's a first line guy in the AHL. Um, that's the thing about Joshua is like, he's not a first line guy in the, in the AHL. Mm-hmm. He's a, you know, a middle six guy in the AHL. Uh, I just think that if Di Giuseppe, this is a year for him where it's like, you know, he didn't get the shot last year. He was already motivated coming the last year to prove that he's an AHL player. I bet he's even more motivated this year going into it, uh, to be an impact player. I just, I don't know. I'm not, I, I know a lot of people are real excited about the Joshua signing, especially Patrick Alvin. He seemed, it was weird how much he brought up. Uh, Dakota Joshua as as an example when we were doing the presser with him, but to me, like I I still you know I got to see more of him obviously and see how he fits with this team. But I there's other players on his team in this organization I'd rather see on the fourth line. Yeah, very. Like, fair. I, I've seen Joshua play. I just don't nothing really stuck out for me, and it wasn't even like the stuff that you're talking about. Is like I I didn't see a lot of energy from him. Right, like that everyone seems to be so excited about. I don't know. I, I, I'm just not as high on him as, as a lot of people seem to be in this market. And don't get me wrong. Maybe I'm, I'm hoping he surprises me, but I also still like, I'm still pretty high on Phil DiGiuseppe being a guy who should be in the NHL playing fourth line minutes and killing penalties and, you know, playing nine minutes a night at five on five. Like that's what I think Phil DiGiuseppe can do. You have to assume that that's kind of going to be one of the battles, right? Is yeah. is Joshua versus DiGiuseppe? Well, you can put it all out there that it's like, it's going to be Joshua, Almond, Lockwood, DiGiuseppe, they'll all be fighting for that fourth line winger spot. Yeah. Who who gets the the incredible title of being Jason Dickinson's winger on the fourth line? That's a really good question. All right. Tyler Mott's still out there. Tyler Mott is still out still there. Still out there. What's he doing? What's what's he getting? I think St. Louis needs to go after Tyler Mott and Yuho Lamico. Because they've already got Highmore. Yeah. Why wouldn't you put that line together sure. that worked for some reason? Yep. All right. Next yep. up. Okay. Uh Ilya Mikheyev signed to a four-year deal with an annual average value of $4.75 million. What did you think about that signing? Because I, I, I got a little bit of a gripe because I'm hearing a lot of people say, oh, well, they're overpaying for a bottom six winger. And it's just, I don't agree with that. Like, there's a difference between a middle six winger and a bottom six winger. And, and Ilya Mikheyev, in my mind, is a middle six winger who probably is going to play on this team's second line out of training camp. Yep. I mean, it's like... Mikheyev is a more sure bet to be a middle, like a top six winger, I think, than Kuzmenko is, right? Like you feel more confident about Mikheyev being able to play in the top six than you do with Kuzmenko because you just don't know about the the what's going to happen there. But like it's, you know, it, the other thing that's interesting is just like the fact that they go and sign a winger on a pretty big deal is like, man, they need to make some moves. They really need to hit the trade market because, uh we we just kind of talked about like who's going to win the fourth line battle uh between Joshua and DiGiuseppe. Well, the fourth line right now like looking at the depth chart is what Tanner Pearson and Nils Huglander. So, you need to make some moves, man. Like you can't, you know, Nils Huglander was in the top 6 a couple of years ago and now you're just like there's so much at the forward group that it's like you need to really start to use that to address what's happening on the back end. And if Nils Huglander is playing fourth line minutes, Ooh, you might need to start to view him as like one of the guys that could be on the outs, right? And I, I don't think that's 
comes as much a surprise. He's not a big body. Um, he's not necessarily a flat-out burner, and you could kind of see the way that Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin, the player type that they like when they went out and signed Mikheyev. And I, and I think he's going to be an impact player. And l- listen, I, I love Neil Soglander. I think he's a, a guy at 5-on-5 five five who creates. But him and Connor Garland just feel like they're on, you know, on the outs right now when you start to talk about a defenseman that the Canucks need to trade for. You know, you've heard uh, out of Pittsburgh that they have, you know, they have nine NHL defensemen right now, and they said that they won't have nine when they get to training camp. You, you start to put the pieces together, man. Like, uh, you know, it, I, I, we haven't said his name a while on this show, actually, but like the John Marino deal, it, it feels like it's coming down the pipe here pretty soon. And maybe not necessarily with the Canucks, but John Marino has been shopped by the Penguins, uh, reportedly by a lot of different uh, outlets have been reporting that, but Marcus Pedersen's the other one that people looked at. Like the Canucks have a real chance to corner the market on all the Pedersons. They've already got all the Elias Pedersons. Now they could, you know, they could add another Pedersen. In all seriousness, as a right-handed defenseman who probably isn't going to cost the world because he's played more of a four-five role up to this point, but. I don't think you want to shoot that low. I think you want to go for the John Marino or you want to go for a completely different target. I I don't know exactly what the Canucks are looking for, but they do need to rework the defense. And the messaging we've been hearing from Rutherford and Alvin is that this is going to take some time. Like they're not rushing into anything because that's how you make bad moves. They're going to wait. They're going to take their time. And you wonder how much more time it's going to be because like the clock is ticking, right? Like the, the season's going to start sooner than we think. Yeah, exactly. And Canucks fans have been burned with running out of time in the past. Like this is why, this is why the pressure point is being talked about, right? And uh, I'm sure we'll get to it in a little bit here. But hearing Jim Rutherford on Donnie and Dolly, uh, their final show. I mean, Dolly Wall and Donnie bringing some fire on the way out uh, into vacation. That's a good move right there. A veteran move bringing your hot takes on the on the final day before summer break. But yeah, it's they need to make a move, right? Like they need to move from one of their wingers to benefit the team as a whole and it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out because it's you know the guys that we talk about it seems to be Connor Garland and Niels Huglander and I do like I I don't like those two players being the guys that are on the outs because I really think that those are two really good five-on-five producers of offense and that's been a struggle for the Vancouver Canucks for so long is being able to produce at five-on-five and you have two guys that do that offensively and yeah they might not be the strongest in their own zone I don't think Garland's as bad as some people think that he is but you know, Nils Huglander has had his struggles in the defensive zone for sure, and some team might value him as a middle six forward when he could be playing fourth line minutes under Bruce Boudreau. So. Yeah, the only gripe I have with that, Chris, is that's two examples of selling when guys are at probably their lowest value that they've ever been yeah. in their careers at any point in their career. I don't yeah. like that. I, that's just bad. That's bad business, right? And I, I don't know. Well, then like, who do they trade? Which winger do they trade? Tanner Pearson? <laughs> Dude, that's the thing is there's we've nobody heard... bringing a second round pick for Tanner Pearson exactly, right now. and we've heard that there's just no interest in the Canucks players right now. Like there's not a market for a lot of the Canucks players, and that that includes JT Miller. Apparently, there's not a real market for JT Miller. Like things seem to have really cooled down on the JT Miller front, and and Rutherford talked about it uh, on Donnie and Dolly today. You kind of alluded to it, and we'll get to that right now because uh, because you know I, I do have some thoughts on this. In a perfect world, Jim, what happens with JT Miller for your organization? Well, I'll say the obvious. It can go two ways. We, you know, we can come to an agreement and keep him, and we have a very good player. Um, that's that's always difficult to do when a player is heading to free agency within a year. 
and uh, and and he's got really good numbers. So of course, what the player is expecting in the way of a contract compared to the team is is usually different. And uh, so we're trying to work through that process. And if that doesn't work, we have to get the best return we can for him. But I think when the impatience should come on J.T. Miller is when we get closer to the trade deadline. And if we don't have him signed at that point, making sure that we get a return for him. But I I don't see where there's any urgency until we get to the trade deadline. Now... The key word there, Chris, is urgency and the trade deadline. Time for another quad rant. We need to get some uh, stinger music or something for this because I've been, uh, past couple episodes, I've done little rants and this is another one of them, Chris, because today I'm going to talk about ownership meddling. And that's something that I know a lot of Canucks fans are scared of for a number of reasons, right? And what I want to talk about is that Rutherford's been asked about it, about managing up, right? And the last time he was asked about it was at the end-of-season media availability. And he said he hasn't had to manage up at all. Him and Francesco Aquilini go out for lunch once every two weeks, and I've talked about this before. Contrast that with the last last management regime where Benning was talking about how often him and Francesco Aquilini were talking every about... Every day he said they talked. Every day they were talking. So every two weeks compared to every day. Right now we have to go off the word of Jim Rutherford. There's no meddling from ownership. The reason that I bring this up, Chris, is because right now, the messaging that we need to hold this organization accountable to is the messaging that Jim Rutherford just gave in that clip. And I don't know if you heard it, but what he said was, we need to start getting impatient around the trade deadline, and if we don't have a contract by that point, we need to flip him for an asset. Does that messaging change if the Canucks are in 8th place? Does that messaging change if the Canucks are 2nd or 3rd in the Pacific, Chris, does it change? Because it shouldn't. And if the Canucks are to lose JT Miller for nothing and you know they go on some sort of playoff run and all of a sudden the messaging is changing from up top with Jim Rutherford, that's when you can start to think, hmm, who's really calling the shots here, right? And it's again, this is speculation, but if we get to that point, that's something that you need to hold the organization accountable to. If Jim Rutherford says we need to get an asset for this player and he's saying that right now in July and you assume that he thinks his team is going to be in a playoff spot by the trade deadline and he's saying that, we, said, need, to, we need to be asking questions about that. Rutherford said there's two options. Exactly. He said it's an extension or it's a trade for, the good, for a best offer. Yep. The third option that could end up happening, I think Canucks fans are most worried about is, yeah, you're right, they're they're in a playoff run or they're pushing for a playoff spot. You keep on to JT Miller. The worst case scenario is you miss the playoffs by a couple of points and JT Miller walks for nothing. And if that happens... Sorry, I, I would argue... And sure, that is the worst case scenario, but they, I would argue yeah. right behind it is them making the playoffs, getting bounced in like the first or second round and Johnny JT Goudreau. Miller walking for nothing. Johnny Goodrow just walked for nothing. Look at what that's done to the Flames, too. Like, look at how in shambles the Calgary Flames are right now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's totally messing up their organization. They they are literally trying to pick up the pieces, quite literally, because they found out the night before that Johnny Goodrow was leaving. It's like throwing the Flames into a spot right now where, like, the things that I've heard from flame, from people talking about the Flames is, like, 
is it time for a full rebuild or exactly. do you like have to go all in right now? And like, there's talks of like Matthew Kachuk is he, should he even be here long-term? Is he, is it time to move on from him and start the rebuild? Right? Like that's, that's wild. I don't think it would happen the same way with the Vancouver Canucks. Cause it's not like JT Miller is the big, is a massive, massive piece of the core. He was their best player last year, but like we've said in the past, he isn't the biggest piece of this core. He's not even the top three. If you look at it really for the future, but that's the thing. It's like, I, I do get worried a little bit of thinking that the trade deadline or a month before the trade deadline is when Canucks fans should start to get anxious about it. Like we've, we've spent like, we've talked about it a little bit. Like what if he does get hurt, you know? Exactly. And well, I think and that's... that's horrible for him, obviously, but it's mm-hmm. also horrible for the team. And I mean, I, I don't think that listen, that deal that was offered from the Rangers that we've heard reported are you getting a better deal than that for him to be a one playoff run rental? Maybe you might like you might, but I'm not confident that you do. Yeah, I don't think you do. I, I don't think you do. And, and like you might, because that is a traditional trade deadline package and it's understandable. And he why could the easily be the number one piece. Like, especially if you're, if the Canucks are way out of it and they're holding on to half of his money, like, you know, a, a team would pay a lot. For that, you're still getting a return, but to me, like the you know, to get him done, to get this done in the off season here, where the team that's able to re-sign him is still the best way, like that's the biggest return. But it's it's hard for teams, like you know, with the cap situation. I think that this, like, it's why I look back at two trade deadlines, like at the last trade deadline when it was like this is when you can get a haul for JT Miller. It felt like because it was like you're getting two playoff runs of JT Miller at five point two five. Like, I know you didn't want to rush into it, but you are getting into the betting camp of, like, you could run out of time of getting a big haul back when I, I think his value is at the highest when you got two playoff runs of him at 5.25, and then you could talk extension after. Look, the simple now fact... Now it's all about the extension. Yeah, it is. And the simple fact of the matter, Chris, is that the longer the Canucks wait to deal J- JT Miller, the more risk they're running. The more risk they're running that there won't be interested teams, the more risk they're running that they'll be in a playoff spot and have a difficult decision to make. It is running the risk that he'll get hurt. The risk just increases with each passing day that they don't move JT Miller. That's just the simple fact of the matter. And and right now, Canucks fans are, are a little bit weary of that because they're saying, okay, what if he does get hurt? What if they're in a playoff spot? Like, what happens? Does the, does the messaging change, right, with, with Jim Rutherford, right? And that's the one thing that I'm looking at is just does the messaging change uh, if the Canucks are in a playoff spot? Does Jim Rutherford come out and say, yeah, I know I said that we, should, we needed to get an asset, but we also, did, we also owed it to our players or whatever. Yeah. Like, what Very does the messaging possible. change, right? Because right now, that's not even in the cards. That's not even mentioned by Jim Rutherford. So I just thought that was interesting. I thought that it was something that I wanted to have pointed out on and the show today. And we'll be interested to see over the next, basically, like, week here. Uh, and we're not taking any more time off either. So we're going to be here every Tuesday and every Saturday talking about this. But uh, it'll be interesting in the next 10 days here to kind of see if a team looks to pull the trigger because they missed out in free agency. I mean, the Islanders have come up. You mentioned the Predators now being mentioned uh, by Elliot Friedman as an example. So, like, teams are going to start to pop up around JT Miller, and we're going to keep talking about it until it gets done. I know that uh, I find it interesting how much the Vancouver Canucks mentioned that, you know, JT was our best player last year. It feels like that's been, like, the universal front for 
um, the general manager and now the president, because he said it today on Donnie and Dolly of like, you know, they, they want people to know that he was their best player last year. Then he's a 99 point player and does all this stuff and plays center because listen, man, JT Miller is a very good player in the NHL and we'll see what the return happens uh, when it comes in. But man, it's going to be a long off season of speculating until then. And then this, this puts the player in a tough spot too, right? With all of this going on and this, this market being the way that it is. And I'm not even like saying that the market's the worry here. It's like people care, right? Which is a good thing. Because imagine JT Miller's, you know, think about uh, like Phil Kessel in Arizona. Nobody cared about what happened with Phil Kessel in Arizona. And like, you know, nothing came of it either. Um, And he just kind of faded away. I'm not saying that's what happened to JT Miller, but it's good that people care. It's good that people want to see this Canucks team do the right move here. And I think people are worried because this market that has been engaged for so many years hasn't seen the team do the right thing in the end. So that's why they're worried. Um, And that's why people are going to have to ask him questions. Us in the media, it's our job to ask the things that fans want to hear. And we, it, we wouldn't be doing our jobs if we weren't asking JT Miller about it. And that sucks, right? Like it sucks for him to answer that, but that's the situation that he's in. And that's what we're going to have at training camp. Once we get there is like, you know, I think at training camp, what we're going to be talking about is like Bo Horvat's new deal. Cause I think he'll have a deal by then. And we'll be talking about the JT Miller situation if he's not dealt and what, you know, all the trade rumors around him and if he wants to stay here, if he wants to play in the States, like all these questions are going to come up and that's a bad spot to be in for the player. Yeah, it is. And there's a lot of speculation that's still to come. I'm sure. Uh, I just want it to be over. I just want them to either sign this guy or trade him. I'm, I'm exhausted. And I know all the readers and listeners are too. I'm getting messages of it. Oh like, my goodness. Stop writing and talking about JT Miller. It's like, we, we have to like that. That's literally what we have to do right now. I, I think we're doing a disservice if we don't at least talk about it. Uh, maybe not every week. We'll, we'll probably tone it down a little. We should do a Millerless week. Millerless week. That'd be, that'd be fun. We'll do it on the show too. We'll I'm do I'm down with that. Can uh, I do a? I didn't. I didn't. There's a prospect I didn't. Hang get on. To I got one more free okay. agent that I need okay, to okay. mention. So Colin Delia was signed, uh, goaltender with the Chicago Blackhawks, signed to the Vancouver Canucks, uh, one way contract. So Chris, what this tells me, and I confirmed this by talking to Patrick Alvin uh, in his little media scrum that he did. Uh, there's going to be a battle between Spencer Martin and Colin Delia. Uh, you know, Archer Seelovs and Mikey Deepadri. You can throw them in there too. Everybody's going to have a chance because nobody has a no move clause this year for the backup position. But really, it's Colin Delia and. Spencer Spencer Martin, who are going to be battling for that spot of NHL backup. What was curious to me, Chris, is that I asked Alvin in my follow-up to that question of, okay, so was the plan to run three goaltenders again in Abbotsford? And he said, no, the plan is to run two. So there's going to be competition down in Abbotsford as well. The Canucks don't have an ECHL affiliate. I don't think they're going to be afraid to loan a goaltender to the ECHL, but it is good to see that they're not going to do the three goaltender thing again because it benefits nobody. I asked Ian Clark about the quote afterwards, and I know uh, people on Twitter kind of ran away with the Alvin quote that I got from him and said, well, this means Mikey DiPietro's done. I'll touch on that in a second. But I asked Ian Clark about the three goalies in Abbotsford, and he said, really, that benefits nobody. It doesn't benefit the organization. It doesn't benefit the goaltenders for sure. Like, goaltenders need to play. And he pointed to Archer Silovs and said, Look, like, this is a guy who, for all the talk that was made of Mikey DiPietro, and I must say, uh, Clarkie did not invoke Mikey DiPietro's name. That's just me saying that for all the talk that was made of Mikey DiPietro. Look, like, Clark brought up Archer Silovs didn't play much the past two years, right? And, you know, I, I know he kind of flies under the radar a little bit when it comes to that, but, 
Like, Seelovs hasn't played a lot in the last two years, and he's someone the organization is very high on. So I'm looking for him to maybe go to the ECHL, uh, maybe be the guy in Abbotsford. I, I wonder what the next step is, Chris, because I'm not closing the door on a Mikey DiPietro trade. Uh, I haven't heard much about interest or anything like that, if I'm being honest with you, but I'm not closing the door on a Mikey DiPietro trade, but that's not necessarily because of the organization saying they're going to run two goaltenders in Abbotsford. I just think in an ideal world, and this is me talking, in an ideal world, Archer Silovs and one of Spencer Martin and Caladelia are the two goaltenders down in Abbotsford next season. I think in an ideal world, that's what you most want. Like The the fact of the matter is that you need these goaltenders to play games, and I think Archer Silovs at this point in time has the higher ceiling than Mikey DiPietro. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, that I haven't given up on Mikey DiPietro, but the clock is running out a little bit. And I think Archer Seelovs is the guy that you want to get into game action, if not only because that he hasn't done that much in the last two years. So something to keep an eye on. Colin Delia adds to the goaltender depth in the organization. There's four spots available. They have five goaltenders at the time of this recording. Yeah, and then I asked Ryan Johnson about the goaltending coach situation in Abbotsford. And though we heard rumblings that there might not be one out there, from what I heard from chatting with some people at development camp, Ryan Johnson confirmed to me that they are working on bringing in a goaltender Clark, coach. Clark, told me the same thing. They're working. They're in the process of it, and Clark even said he's like, we you saw, know. We saw Ian Clark's kid out there quite a bit at development camp. He was putting sticks away. He was filling water bottles. Could we see Ian Clark's child? He's like 11. Well, you, I tell you what, he looked. He dressed the part. He looked good. And Clark, he, he was making him work. There was a sharp. time on, uh, I think, day three, where uh, Clark's kid knocked over the sticks and the stare that Ian gave his son. Oh, my goodness. It was melting the ice with the stare that he, you know. Oh. And Ryan Johnson got to see the whites of his eyes. Yeah, he did. That was, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, but, uh, yeah, I just wanted to close out by saying, um, you know, the two goaltenders in Abbotsford has been confirmed. It's a very interesting thing. What it does tell me for sure, there's going to be competition uh, next year for the crease at both levels. Any other takeaways from your... You had a good little one-on-one with Clark. I know you're going to put in an article. Yeah, but. I'm going to put in an article. I think I'll save most of it. I just... They're high on Aku, obviously. Uh, they like Ty Young for a lot of the same reasons that they like Aku. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say much more than that. Yeah, found it interesting. The the quote that I got from Chris Genville about Clark was like, the best goalie coach I've ever worked with, top-notch. It's what we hear a lot, obviously, when we hear young goalies work out uh, with Ian Clark. Can I do my last little prospect thing? I need to mention this name. Yeah, go for it. Because you mentioned it a little bit. I don't think I got a chance to really talk about him that much, but Jonathan Myrenberg, uh, the right-shot defenseman, I thought he was the best defenseman at this development camp. Like I think through and through, watching everything that Jonathan Myrenberg was able to do with his skating, with his ability to see the ice, his shot looks like it's improved. He's put on a lot of weight, was he was saying. Like, he's put on a lot of muscle uh, ever since he got to Link Coping. Link Cooping, I believe is how they uh, pronounce it over there. But uh, Jonathan Myrenberg is going to be loaned to the Alsvenskin next year, he told me. Uh, and, and he's excited for it because he's going to get a lot of minutes. He's going to get more opportunity. He's going to be able to do power play, penalty kill, be a guy who's relied upon a lot. And from the people that we like to follow in the SHL, who cover the SHL, uh, Alexa Potag being an example, she's very high on uh, Jonathan Myrenberg. And, and we've heard that uh, there's a lot of people in the Canucks organization that are pretty high on Jonathan Myrenberg as well from whispers around the organization. And I could see why. Like, I, I really did think that he was the best defenseman at this camp. Uh, I was 
pleasantly surprised. Had a really good chat with him. He's a, a smart kid. Uh, and I'm going to be keeping my eyes on him a lot more. Like just from seeing him playing camp and being able to go back and watch some video of him uh, in the SHL over the past couple days here. Uh, he's going up in the rankings for the Canucks prospects for next year. Has has he jumped yet, Wu? I think so. I, wow. As a teenager. Wow. I think he has a better chance of making the NHL. Not like, you know, not next season. Not higher on the depth chart per se, but he has higher upside is what you're saying. Yeah, right now okay. he's not the higher okay. player on the depth chart, but... I think he has a better chance of playing more games in the NHL than Jet Wu. Okay. All right. Yeah. So he's jumping up in the prospect range. I was also And impressed. he looked, man, he looked good. Yeah, he and did. And he's big. Like, he's a big he six did look foot two, six thought. foot yep. three defenseman. You know, around 200 pounds. Like, he looks he looks big and he moves well. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what he does in the offense. And I hope he has a really good season. Yeah, and you, you had a good one-on-one with him. You wrote about it at CanucksArmy.com. People he's should go got, check that uh, out. He does the same hair as you, the split down the middle thing sometimes that you do. Looks fantastic. Well, I mean, it. I don't know. Okay. You're going to go tell he, Giant Jonathan Myrenberg to his face that you don't like his haircut? No, but he, has, he, you and him had similar looks, actually. He had his shirt tucked into his pants like you did. Uh, That's the way to do it. The dad look. Classy. He, I had my Nike Monarchs, yeah. Air Monarchs on. Yeah, Father Mar, uh, Myrenberg out there. Yeah. Yeah, someone actually commented on our YouTube video. Also, subscribe to the Nation Network on YouTube, folks, because we've been cranking out the stand-ups. I think we're going to do them throughout the summer as well. Yeah. Uh, but... You know, I had the golf shirt tucked into the jeans, and people had some fun with that. Well, time that I bought you that golf shirt as a gift, you've never worn it. I've I've worn it a lot. I've no, worn you it haven't. to play golf. You bought it for me in the winter, so when was I going to wear that? Anytime, just to show me show summer. me a little respect and just be like, oh look, I'm wearing that shirt you got me. I've worn it like six times in front of you now, but no, I wore it in the summer. You buy me a golf shirt in the winter, and you're like, in in like. April, you're like, you haven't worn it. I'm well, like, we had some sunny days in March quads. You could have pulled out the shirt. I didn't golf. I didn't golf. We haven't golfed yet this summer. No, either. we haven't. We should get on that. Yeah. Take a little vacation. Donnie and no, Dolly. We it. can't take vacations anymore. We had our vacation. I, I'm taking a vacation in August. What the hell? Middle of August. And you're I'm, going on a houseboat next weekend. Yeah, but that's not a vacation. We're going to be putting in some work on that houseboat. You will be. Yeah. I'll be getting a different co-host for that episode, so that should be a fun yeah, one. Yeah, you'll but, have a good one next weekend for sure. Yeah, I'm excited for that episode. I don't want to say who I think is going to host, but it should be a pretty uh, fun episode for sure. All right, we'll close it out there. For my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is David Guadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.